Thanks for choosing to listen to the Cruise Corner podcast. As always, this is your host, Lonnie. And today I will have Jay Marie from Women with an Effed Up Mind joining me as we cover a topic that we believe isn't covered enough, domestic violence. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right, Jay Marie, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. It's great having you. Thank you for having me. So I know we it hasn't been that long since we talked since I came on your podcast. What was it like a week ago? I'm so bad with time because I'm at home. Yeah, it was like a couple, it was like <laughs> two episodes ago, I think. So like two weeks ago. Yeah. So uh I guess if you want like to kick it off, if you want to just kind of like if you want to introduce what you do for your podcast and stuff, because I know you can't really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am, uh, I'm Jay Marie. I am the host of Women with an F's Up Mind. And we are a podcast that's, you know, not just about spreading awareness, but it's also about making things happen uh, when it comes to sexual assault, sexual harassment, and domestic violence. That's been our newest platform here lately. It's a big one because I never, I don't really hear anybody talk about it. And that's why uh, my, actually, my victim legal counsel is the one that's like, brought it to my attention, like, oh, yeah, uh, that's like a big fucking deal that nobody talks about this shit. Everybody's been so focused on sexual assault, sexual harassment, that everybody's just like, domestic violence, we'll deal with that some other time, even though they go hand in hand with each other. That was the only PowerPoint I never got when I was in the army, like, we talked about everything like annual training, semi-annual, like you have all this stuff about like your sharp classes dealing with sexual assault and harassment and EO complaints and all this stuff, safety, like cold weather trade, like everything you can imagine. Never had a single presentation about domestic violence. It was always just like Friday safety brief. Don't hit your wife. Don't beat your dog. Have a good one. Yeah. And that was always like a joking matter. And that was one of the things that we had talked about was that, yeah, it's not, it's not talked about because a lot of people think it of as more of a military independent situation, more of than a dual, you know, anybody that's both military, but that that's how that, that is exactly how it's looked at right now is that it's usually just a spousal and the military member, but even then it's fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. That shouldn't change like how anything is. And it's shitty that, you know, we have to tell people, granted that they are 18 and, you know, whatever. And above, like, don't hit your fucking wife. Don't hit your husband. Don't hit your kids. Don't hit your dog. And we literally, the more and more I thought about it with my case, you don't, you don't see anything about it in none of your annual trainings or, you know, just talking about it. It's literally a joke in a safety brief before you go on, you know, your 96 or the weekend or whatever it is. Yeah. So there's absolutely like no resources ever spoken of because of that. Like that was the biggest thing I noticed was like, just pretend it doesn't happen. Like we do with a lot of other stuff. And then like, if it does happen, like fix it, like do something or get divorced. Everybody gets divorced. So it's like, whatever, like move on. But it was like, what do you do? Because I started dealing with it my last year in when I had switched over from active duty to a reserve unit. 
uh, like my last year in, I started having issues with somebody and I would be like getting screamed at over the phone while I'm sitting in my car at drill, like waiting to get out. And this dude would just be tearing into me and I would get out and I'd be trying to like keep myself together. And I know people could hear it like, and you could probably see it on my face that like something good isn't happening, but like nobody will ask, like nobody wants to fucking know what's going on. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Even when it's your command, they don't ask about it. Or they, and that's, or they just like, out of sight, out of mind. If she's not talking about it, then why the fuck do I got to talk about it? At least that's from my personal experience. That's how it's been. And that I think has been the shittiest part about it. But what it is, is that the, my VLC literally brought up, he said, everybody since 2012. Yeah. He said, since 2012, everybody's focus has been sexual assault. Nobody's talking about anything else because that's, that's been the main focus of the reform. Mm-hmm. And he also mentioned that, you know, it's, we're just now getting things done, but the, the process of how a domestic violence is handled compared to a sexual assault victim is so like drastically fucking different. Yeah. Like it's insane how different, like I said, even with them going hand in hand with each other, that's so different. So when a sexual assault, now mind you, this is coming from an actual, like, an attorney like this is an actual like factual shit um he literally said that when somebody is sexually assaulted and they actually go through you know the proper channels whatever automatically so like on on a navy marine corps basis um these are the acronyms i'm going to be using um they uh, they automatically go to ncis four lawyers are automatically in touch with just the accusation like it doesn't have to like that's it, as soon as there's an accusation of sexual assault those are the first steps ever taken now it is up to the command whether or not what actually happens to that said the accused but if they don't go through the proper channels they will be relieved at least they're supposed to if they don't yeah that's if they don't go through it but if when it comes to domestic violence it's not like <laughs> They literally, they give you a PI from, so this is just how ours been. I don't, I'm not, you know, I haven't looked through all the other branches process, but this is how it's handled with the Marine Corps. At least for my situation, it was, there was a PI who was from the accused command, which I don't fucking understand to begin with. Um, Cause my question is why the fuck isn't there a third party doing a, an investigation that has some legal background? Because I literally voice recorded it. You, there are at least five separate times this person who's, this is a, you know, an officer who's telling me that he is not any type of legal, has no legal background, knows nothing about the legal system. He's just there as to do an investigation. Hmm. <laughs> Once again, he's from his, the accused command. So I don't, that works it, it, make, <laughs> it makes, you know, total fucking sense to have somebody that, you know, is automatically probably going to come in with the biased outlook on it, whatever. So then a month later, it comes out to be actually, no, what is today's date? Yeah. It's almost a month and a half later 
that after doing that PI doing his investigation that came to that there was not enough sufficient evidence to to do anything to him mind you there was pictures from the night that it happened I had a bruise on my face for a week I had markings on my neck that night the police noted like annotated it in their police report made a statement with them got told by the police that typically with these situations the military handles it military doesn't handle shit yeah well me being you know then really i had no idea how the fuck the system worked with this shit at all like did no resources you know when it came to a situation because everybody is has that mindset of you know couldn't be me that won't happen to me like if that kind of shit happened to me yeah like i would beat their ass or i could never be sexually assaulted or this or this that like you go through all these scenarios but when the actual situation happens, like it's a whole different fucking ball game, complete different ball oh, game. Oh, for sure. And that's that's the thing. Like, so me being the naive dumbass was like, oh, you know what? My command will take care of me. I do a lot for them. I work for them. Blah blah blah. I'll take care of me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Just another body. <laughs> yeah, I can't. You know, I always I've always heard that. I've always known that. But yeah, no, it actually was like realistic to my face, but I can't really knock them as much for the processing because he wasn't, the accused was not in the same command as me. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what needed to happen was taken out of my command's hands and put into his. So like we couldn't even do a military protection order, couldn't do a no contact order. Like we literally couldn't do anything on our end because he was not in the same, like he was not under their command. And that part, I was like, my command should at least be able to say, hey, tell your fucking Marine to stay away from my fucking Marine. Here's a piece of paper. I'm going to serve you with this. Sign it, date it, call it a fucking day. Yeah, it should not be all in the hands of the accused command like that. That I don't fucking get. And ass backwards. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, because we tried to. So they tried to get me a military protection order. My command did. Well, my first sergeant did. And then we both the dude that I guess is like in charge of all that, whatever. He was like, no, he's like, you guys can't even start the paperwork. I said, what? I said, forgive me, but what, what the hell does that mean? He said, because that, you know, the accused is not a part of you guys. You can't, you can't do that. You can't just say, Hey, stay away from this Marine because he's not, you know, he's not your person to be telling that to. I'm like, I'm, I'm like scratching my head. I look at my first hour and I'm just like, this is a fucking joke. Like, absolute fucking joke. And I told them, like, I asked, that's one of the first things I asked for. I said, I want military protection order, no contact order. Just give me that. And then maybe I'll just shut up and just drop this and leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. They, uh, <laughs> so this happened on a Sunday night. That Thursday, my uh, command was like, well, they're not doing anything unless civilian side forces them to. Okay, cool. That's, you know, fucking cool. Because 
he had orders for the following week to PCS to his new orders to be a recruiter. Oh, nice. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> That's what I'm like, huh? That's, yeah. yeah. So whatever. I'm like, okay, so I went to go file a restraining order in the uh, civilian side. They couldn't get me in for two fucking weeks. <laughs> I'm not surprised because when it comes to domestic violence, that's what I know is the civilian side. And so it's like, I always thought the military, the way it dealt with stuff was a joke. And then I tried the civilian end of it. And I was like, oh, it just sucks everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. It's like you're set up for failure. You know, it protects it's... the criminals and the abusers. Like it is mm-hmm. a complete system set for just failure for victims and stuff like it is all for the person that's causing the problems oh absolutely and it boils down to because people don't want to fucking do paperwork it's my favorite yeah and it's so fucking easy to do i fucking do it like that's not my job but i do paperwork all the fucking time like (laughs) it's not that fucking hard just don't be a lazy piece of shit that's what it boils down to be but uh so yeah so i'm like well there goes that that following week, it hit the fucking blotter. I'm like, thank fucking God. Because now something has to happen. <laughs> nope. Just because it hits the blotter, all it does is that they have to do an investigation now. Again, pictures for proof, which, oddly enough, they did not, the command did not ask for. And I annotated that in my statement to the PI, that I had the pictures, the police department had the pictures, the police took pictures, Put it with the report. Yeah, they never got they never got him anything. They were like, well, wow. if we get him from you, the PI was like, if I get him from you, it's not gonna have the actual date on it. I said, look, you can literally take my phone, take a picture with the fucking date on top of it. It's he's like, well, <laughs> like, say what? Said, like everything pretty much now is timestamps, even if it's not on the photo, like if it's in a phone or something, it's too easy to see when it was taken. Exactly. It's literally on fucking top of the pic. Like if you just click on the picture and has all your little pictures at the bottom, the fucking top shows you the date and fucking time. No, they just don't want to deal with it. Like <laughs> it's what, and that's what I got out of it. He's like, well, I'll have to double check. I'm not a legal. There was again, I'm not a fucking legal person. You know, I'm just here to Why be the middleman. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. Like half the time, you know, he was sitting there, he would like stop our conversation and then talk to the other officers about their fucking training. Like, and it's literally, you can hear it in the recording that I took of this whole thing. Because I was like, I don't fuck around with this shit. I don't trust nobody. Like, straight up. And you can hear him literally talking about TBS and whatever the training is that they do. And were you here? Did you go here? What school did you go to? Like, that is not why the fuck you're here. Like, you, what the fuck? Okay, cool. Now I just see how like serious this is taken because you're not a legal person. Like, fuck off. That's where third party people come in, especially if you can get some sympathetic human beings in those. And that's what I'm saying. Like, even, you know, it's not even about sympathy though, either. Like, as long as you were empathetic about the situation, like, okay, yeah, there's two sides. You know, you got to talk to this person and you have to talk to the accused. I 100% fucking get that. But why the fuck? fuck would you pull somebody out of his own fucking command but i mean you look at how they handle like sexual assault and harassment and stuff like 
the fact that like Vanessa Guillen had to have what happened to her for that act to go like to even be put out like hey maybe we should get it out of the command's hands like oh absolutely well and that's like the same thing with Asia Graham Asia Graham and then the guy that raped her when she accused him uh the beginning of last year he got fucking he's just now getting court-martialed it's been almost a year and a half and he was able to rape he's being accused of seven charges now of sexual assault and aggravated assault and then there was like one other count of something else but because his command didn't do anything to him even bailed him out that's what got me that was that his commander bailed him out and after while on bail then he went and assaulted like two more women yeah that's the crazy fucking part but nothing's happened to that commander you don't see that shit like it's it's fucking insane and that's the same thing like so that was one of the things i mean the vlc talked about he was like you know when sexual assault happens the officer's gonna get relieved if shit was you know not taken care of properly he said i'm gonna be honest with you domestic violence he said ain't nothing gonna happen to nobody he's like straight up he's like i'm gonna and that's why i told her i was like b i'm tired of everybody trying to sugarcoat shit I was like, I'm a grown-ass adult. Fucking be blunt with me. Don't beat around the fucking bush with me. Like, don't be a dick. But at the same time, like, I I need you to be real with me about shit. So I'm not wasting my time and dragging something out just to be more heartbroken. Because it's been so officially, (laughs) read the email today. uh, (laughs) They said there was not enough um, substantial evidence to do anything to him and he already pcs'd last week so it's just like free yep out of hand yep and then (laughs) so fab who's like the family advocate program they um they're dragging this out a whole nother month and all their (laughs) my blc was like do you even know what they do i said yeah and it's like a waste of time i'm literally dragging this out for no reason because they're not going to do anything to him. All their do their job is, is to have a meeting and a vote to see if he needs fucking counseling. <laughs> like, what? Counseling. That, that, that's what we're doing with this now is counseling. How about he fucking gets an NJP? How about he gets a fucking court martial? How about he doesn't get to serve in the fucking, you know, the military for the next three years and recruit kids? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? fuck so what's happening now is um my attorney is going to look into it more to see if they even did what they were supposed to do because by policy um during their investigation they are supposed to consult with like an sja two different lawyers a prosecutor like you're supposed to consult all these people and i'm like okay well um is there have to be proof or can they just say, yeah, of course we did our job when really they didn't fucking do shit. He said, nope, they have to prove, you know, because with that kind of situation, there's going to be emails, there's going to be paperwork, yada, yada. Like he's like, there has, if it actually happened, there will be a paper trail because he's been in the Marine Corps for 20 years as an attorney. He's been the prosecutor. He's been one of the lawyers. He's been SJA. He's been, he's literally done it all. So he knows the process hand and foot like there's no if ands or buts like i'm gonna really know he's done it all so um he said that once he finds out if they actually did their fucking jobs which we all know they probably didn't 
Um, then I'm going to file for an IG. So that's going to be my next fucking battle. Yeah. Long road. Yeah. And he was like, I'm, he's like, I'm just going to be straight up with you that, you know, this is going to take, this is going to take a while. If you go through with the IG, I said, well, see what you can find out, figure out that, you know, if they did their job, because I'm telling you right now, if they didn't do their job, (laughs) I'm about to start screaming from the fucking empire state building. (laughs) He's like, I honestly wouldn't blame you. And then he looked at me. (laughs) He looked at me. He's like, like I've said before, domestic violence isn't the talk. He's like, and then looked at me like real weird, like not in a bad way, but he's like, I have a feeling that's about to change. And I was like, only if you knew, buddy. Like in my head, I didn't actually tell him that, but I was like, in my head, I'm thinking like, only if you knew what I do. (laughs) Yeah. I started talking about domestic violence back in like 2019 or so when I first launched the podcast because of basically doing PTSD awareness months because I was talking about it and someone that I had served with had hit me up and was like, why would like you don't have PTSD you didn't do shit when we were deployed and this is somebody obviously I don't like talk to now that I'm out of the military was someone I didn't talk to while I was in the military (laughs) so that's where I realized how like the misperception around PTSD like oh yeah absolutely it's not the war disorder you know it's not like combat fatigue and all this other shit And so I started talking about domestic violence because I wanted people to understand why I was struggling as a combat veteran, but understand that as a combat veteran, it didn't have to be related to my service. Oh, absolutely. It was like trying to open this idea of like, hey, guess what? Service members are human, which means we deal with daily shit, like daily life. Things happen to us that is not military-based stuff necessarily. Sure, we go to war, we go, we deal with some crazy stuff that the average person might never come close to, but we still deal with regular life things like domestic violence. And so it's like, I'm allowed to feel like shit. Like I got to that point where I was like, I'm tired of trying to prove that I'm allowed to feel this bad. And so I wanted to start talking about domestic violence more. And I ended up pulling that episode uh, a bunch of episodes because I was writing that book so I had to kind of like safeguard my content a little bit while I was getting that published and so I was going to re-release it within the next couple of days about talking about domestic violence again but like I tried to touch on it a little bit in my book but the issue about talking about it is I mean I can get sued basically <laughs> for talking about it if the person that caused me all that grief and trauma and all that shit wanted to because that's how again we protect abusers and stuff you're you can't always talk about it because then they can turn around and be like oh it's slander it's libel it's like all this stuff like you're ruining my name like beating well, you suck a dick you should your name should be ruined motherfucker like that should be known thing. they get more that you suck they get more protection than because like so you just described kind of the military side of how they deal with it on the civilian side of how they deal with it is like when I first started having issues with this person, I called the cops because it was like, it seemed like it was my only option at that point. And I actually got pulled aside by one of the cops. I got a six month old baby with me 
and I'd put her in the car and we, and I had both my dogs and I had basically escaped the house and I got away and I made the call from like a church, like around the corner from the place. And the cop got in my face, which I was already abused by this person enough times. So like having a, a, I'm a small person, like I'm only five feet tall. So like having some like six foot tall policeman tower over me while I'm already scared and freaked out. Like this dude was totally doing like a power move over me and was just like, you do realize this is all your fault. And, and I was so confused, like how that, like, how is it my fault that I had to leave my home with two dogs and a baby in Florida heat to go sit somewhere in a vehicle because this dude was threatening to like shoot us or something or was getting all crazy. And it's just like, well, you picked him, your problem. Oh, oh, oh my God, way. that fucking happened to me. My fucking, oh my God. I'm and gonna drop. It's like, <sighs> you're the enabler. This is your fault. And then they're like, you're a horrible mother and we should take your kid and give her to the state because you obviously can't handle this shit. But it was like, it was all on me, had nothing, like, there was nothing to say, like, oh, we know we're going to help you. Like, they threatened to arrest me one time for calling them. Jesus. And then, like, there was a time I called, and he was in my face saying, like, I dare you to press charges against me and see what happens in front of the cops. Because, mind you, at this point, he's already had the cops called on him four or five times, and no one ever does anything. So when you're dealing with someone like a narcissist, that just builds their ego more. Like, they are Mm -hmm. untouchable at that point. And so they see what they can get away with and how it's handled. And so the police are watching him get in my face, telling me, like, I will do something to you if you try to take this anywhere. You get me arrested right now. And I looked at the cop. I was like, do you see what I, like does it look like I have a choice right now to say like, yes, I want him gone. Cause I know he's going to come back. He never stays long if you do take him in. And they're just kind of like, it's your problem, not ours. Make one, make a decision. We're busy. That's one thing that, you know, some cases are kind of dumb um, or they just make shit up. But like where I'm from, they have a law. Um, I'm not going to say what law, cause it's easy to figure out where I'd be from. I'm from. Uh, but there's a law and it was enacted because of domestic, it's a domestic violence. Like if somebody calls and says, like, he hit me, they have to, that person has to automatically be arrested. The accused has to automatically be arrested because in that, where I'm from, they actually had a woman where she, you know, always called about being, being beat. But a lot of times she didn't have marks or anything. And there was that one time he came back and he fucking killed her and so they put in the law that yeah if there's a domestic violence call you know it's not an officer's discretion anymore like it's you have to arrest them and then it goes from there um i have seen it um to where it is officer's discretion because like i said sometimes it's just cat and mouse bullshit they're arguing so she's so one of the others like fuck you i'm gonna say you hit me blah 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 like they abuse that power, but that is one law that I am glad that, you know, is a thing where I'm from, because I have seen it to where, you know, these cases happen and the cops sometimes are kind of like dickheads about it, but they still have to do it 
because again, it's the fucking law. See, the state where I was, the law was if it was a domestic, if you uh if you called and said that something had happened, they were supposed to take both parties because it wasn't officer's discretion of deciding basically playing judge like who's actually at fault here and so the idea was you take all parties involved whether she got beat he got beat she did the beating he did like everybody's going and so then the issue goes the other side where it's like because they're trying to deter people from calling and that's exactly what it does because now you're getting your ass beat but it's like i don't want to get arrested i have a kid so now you can't tell anybody right and, so and that's they can't, so all the states every state has its own thing which is another issue in itself because like when you're military and stuff and you go from state to state it's hard to keep track of what everybody's rules are mm-hmm. like well even on the civilian side so like what happened to me was off base so even on this because we weren't married and don't have a kid together they didn't give a fuck anyways like I was I did have a kid with this person and and it was like that made it more my fault because it's like well you had a kid with him so you should have known oh I got asked that oh my god one of the fuck. Oh. So, a friend of mine who is a veteran, that uh, he was a army MP, and we were talking about it because he's seen my um, Snapchat stories where I've talked about it, and he's like, "Well, you should have seen it coming." Excuse the fuck out of me. No, I didn't. And then I got told by somebody that I work with that, well, maybe you shouldn't date douchebags. But that's the oh. thing that I always try to explain to people is like, these people don't exhibit this behavior mm-hmm. all the time, like at the beginning. Cause like what I was trying to explain to people about this person I had a kid with was that this did not start till I was locked in. So this took after having a kid. So you figure you're over nine months into this. Sure. You have some dust ups here and there. It's usually not anything like crazy it's just kind of like oh it's just you can put it a typical relationship shit and you don't always pick out the red flag stuff early on and so for Mm -hmm. me it was like I have this kid now and it's like I always chalked it up to it's the stress he's stressed out about being a new dad this that or the other but then it's like it starts to progress and it's and what I dealt with because he was a narcissist was gaslighting And I had no idea what gaslighting was until after dealing with it for years and like years after being away from it, where I actually saw someone bring it up. And I was like, holy shit, I know exactly what they're talking about. And that makes so much sense now because they condition you for allowing that behavior. So it starts off small. And so like for him, like he would do really nice things, but there'd be little things he would try to see what he could get away with. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then eventually it was like, he was getting away with some major stuff with me, but it's like, they actually get you to a point where they've worn you down so much mentally that it's hard to tell what your reality is, which is basically what gaslighting is. It's manipulating your reality. So you're not sure what's real anymore. And they oh, did. yeah, no, I didn't know about it until, like, it started, really, so things got really south with us, and we had split up, but then, like, once we started having, like, just the arguments, 
my mom pointed it out and I was like, what the fuck is gaslighting? I've never even heard of that ever. And then I looked into that. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like that's a fucking real thing. Like it's crazy. It's what people will do to another human being blows my mind. Like the amount of just in like, for me coming out, like what I tell people, like you have no what, what, what it's like to spend so much time training to go to like war, to go to a combat zone. And you have this idea of what your enemy is. And it's this really clearly defined person. It's like, we're looking for terrorists or something like that. So you have this idea of who the enemy's supposed to be. And then my issue was that like, I never expected it to be somebody I cared for, somebody I loved, someone that was like the father of my child, like you're supposed to have this bond with. So it was like, he didn't fit this criteria of what the army had told me my enemy was. Mm-hmm. But he was far worse than anyone I ever encountered in the military. Like just a far more, just, just a monster. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Cause like you said, you have this picture of who an enemy is and then come to find out it's the closest person to you. So being military, how many people have said, why couldn't you just get yourself out of it? Cause that's what I always thought. <laughs> You're a soldier. Couldn't you have like pulled some like GI Jane shit and got yourself out of that? Like <laughs> I got asked, Oh my God. I got asked, well, if you were having problems, why didn't you move out sooner? Um, I got asked, well, why didn't you fight back? Um, I would have beaten his ass, blah, blah, blah. Everybody Here's the thing. Uh, exactly. Everybody says that until it actually happens to you. And with me, you know, I've been doing this podcast for three months now, and I have read so many fucking stories and things that are going on with cases. Like, let's talk about Corporal Teo for a minute. She is a Marine that has been in the brig for a year, a whole fucking year, because she had, she was sexually assaulted. She reported it, everything, but she had a lot of like mental thing. Like she mentally couldn't cope, right? She mentally had all these things like PTSD. Yes. If you're listening to this motherfuckers, that does come after sexual trauma. So, you know, had, had all these mental illnesses so they were going to medically retire her, like get her, you know, cause she just wasn't getting back to, you know, getting back on her feet. Well, her boyfriend, I guess something flared up her and I'm not guessing, but this is what happened. She, it flared up her PTSD and she did come at her boyfriend with a knife. So, you know, the cops are called whatever for alleged attempt of murder, whatever. But her boyfriend is like, wait, 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 no. She shouldn't be in the brig. She just needs to get mental health treatment. Like it has been advocating her forever now. The accused has yeah. literally said she needs she needs the mental health help. She didn't murder me. I'm fine. Give her her medical retirement and fucking be done with this shit. And so with me having that case in my head, she didn't even physically actually do anything to harm him. And the, the shit, like people look into her case it's fucked up like straight up fucked up and I always have that in my head now if I would have done something to him which later on a month later he did accuse me (laughs) he accused me of after he tried to run downstairs after hitting me 
and throwing me down that I grabbed his arm and slapped him three times. A month later, like, can you look a little less pathetic? But because there was no police report, no nothing, this is all of a sudden a month later, this is a thing, they dropped it as they should. But like I said, in my head, if I would have done something and I had perfect opportunity to, I knew in my head the fear of it getting flipped back on me, even if out of self-defense. And I, I can't had it just being a single mom or not a single mom, but having a kid that if I was going to be a single mom, if he ever did get taken away, but if I was going to get taken away too, like I knew I was going to lose my daughter. So I was terrified. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. I can't, and it gave I have shit more to lose. Leverage. It just yeah. gives so much leverage. And it goes back to figuring out what they can get away with. Because I even said to him right before he walked out that door, I told him, I was like, I'm calling the authorities. And he was like, do it. Cause nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Little did I know that nothing did happen. I did have a point where I, I legitimately thought I was going to go to jail over it. It was the final showdown that he and I had. And when I say showdown, like I'm talking like my house had bullet holes in the, I saw more bullet holes inside my house than I saw when I was in Afghanistan. If that puts anything into perspective, like my house had doors that had, that looked like scenes from the shining because of him taking axes to him to bust through when I'm like hiding in a room trying to like cover my daughter and like uh who by this point was just over a year old and like that's how that was my day-to-day life was walking on eggshells hoping I didn't say something to trigger him because he was it didn't take much to blow shit up so the final showdown was him punching me in the back of the head as I was walking away from an altercation, like we were getting into it and I decided to just walk away and I picked up my daughter. So I'm holding my one-year-old and he decides to punch me in the back of the head. Jesus. And so then he stormed off to another room. So as soon as he did that, I had my daughter already and had one of my, I had two dogs. I grabbed one dog and ran from my garage, which was the opposite side of the house from where I was ran out there got him in the vehicle got her in the vehicle and couldn't find my other dog so I'm like freaking out because one thing that people don't get when they say just leave when you have kids or dogs and if you can't get them out and you just leave again that is leverage they will use they will torture you mentally over what they Mm -hmm. will do to the living things you leave behind and my dogs meant a shit ton to me. I know to some people that sounds stupid, but my dogs meant a lot to me because when I came home from deployment, they were all I had. I had a really hard time being around people. I had a major emotional bond to those animals. And so to leave one was just like gut-wrenching, but it was the idea like I have my daughter and that's what I have to kind of prioritize right now. I got to get her out. And, but like, as I'm getting ready to like drive away, my second dog had been hiding under the car. She was freaked out by the fight. And I just grabbed her by like the scruff of her neck and just threw her in the car and then went to back out. Cause by then he's in the garage and he put a rake under the back tire of my vehicle. So I couldn't get out. Like he just made it where it's like, if you're going to leave, you're not going to get far. I'll at least make sure 
Like you're going to blow this tire and you might get down the street, but you're not going to make it to a police department. You're not going to make it to a friend's house. You're not going to make it anywhere. And I was just kind of sitting there and playing the waiting game. Cause if there's one thing that the army taught me, it's to hurry up and wait. <laughs> like I'm really, <laughs> I'm really good at just waiting for nothing. <laughs> so uh, he eventually gave up because he does not have that skill. <laughs> so uh, as soon as he pulled that rake out, he goes back inside and I just threw that car in reverse. And he came out and purposely, like he was chasing me down the driveway and got his foot in the way to where my tire ended up like clipping him or something. And so I was already like right there, like, well, shit, like now I've hurt him with a vehicle like that's a weapon so I'm screwed so like as soon as I back out my driveway to throw my car to like to do a Yui to get out of because I lived on a cul-de-sac he busts my windshield so <laughs> I ended up just like thinking it's like I'm not going to get that far I have a busted windshield I'm going to get pulled over anyway so I went straight to the police department and it's late so it's locked and stuff and so I called in to the the non-emergency line and was just kind of like hey I'm sitting in your parking lot uh like help <laughs> all the <laughs> while he he's blown up my phone saying the cops are at the house looking for me and how he's told them I hit him with the car and all this shit. So I'm freaking out, but I ended up calling the police department and was like, do you have units at this address? And they're like, no, we do not. Do not go back. He's lying. There is nobody looking for you. We promise. Like there are no cops looking for you for whatever. And I went in and I straight up told him. Like, I straight up told him like, hey, I hit him with the car, but it like I was trying to get out. And it was the first time a cop looked at me and actually realized they believed me, which was like, the greatest feeling ever I was about to say a sense of you know weight lifted off of you and he just said if he put himself there that's his own damn fault if he's that big of an idiot and I was like so you're you're not gonna arrest me and he's like not today so I was (laughs) like oh my god and so I actually thought like it's gonna get better so he goes to jail and the judge lets him out for good behavior after a couple days no bail, cuts his bail, lets him out, and he goes straight what? back to my house and holds my kid hostage. And this is where the civilian games come in, where it's like people want to talk about call the cops, get restraining orders, do all this stuff. Restraining order, that was something I had after he got arrested. That was something I made. It's sure- a fucking piece of paper. It's not going to do anything of paper it does not shield you from shit they told me like if he shows up you just give us a call he came in in through the back door was standing there telling me like you can go down to the courthouse and get rid of that restraining order say you want to drop the whole thing or i'm going to go drown her out in the creek so go ahead and make a decision and so i had to waltz my ass back down to the court get the restraining order removed and play the game, act like he wasn't there, like keep quiet. Cause if I tip the cops off, like, you know, now he has my kid at the house and stuff like that. Those are the games that abusers play. Like that's domestic violence. Like kind of, I wouldn't say the extreme end of it, but it's not like the pretty end of it. I mean, if there is, mm-hmm. a pretty end of it. 
but it's like the way that shit's handled like yeah cool i got a cop on my side for once but it was like then you have to go to the level of the judge i had a judge laugh in my face when i told him that story of how i got out of the house and what he did laugh in my face for what because it's so ridiculous like putting like the rake under my tire and one of the times he even laid down behind my vehicle like if you're gonna back out you have to run me over and then you get to deal with that oh my god and then he was like well why would he want you to hit him i'm like well why the hell do you think he wouldn't like then i get arrested too and he had made it clear like if i go down i'll take you with me and so really the whole reason why I went in and like told that whole story is because I want people to understand the magnitude of what you're dealing with sometimes and how it still doesn't like it's not enough like I had evidence for photographs the cop took pictures of me when I came in I had a busted windshield sitting out in the parking lot that they took pictures of and went and got the restraining order did all the things that everybody says you're supposed to do besides fight back like get all like crazy and like pull out some karate or some shit like that. <laughs> I go like female engagement team on it. Like I knew better than to do it because I knew what I had to lose if a judge or a cop didn't want to play uh, sides. Yeah, Not everybody exactly. self-defense. But it's like our system is so broken. Mm-hmm military civilian like you name it it is so broken and it's definitely not set up for people that are getting abused uh like shelters are not set up that great for women that need to escape because there's very limited supply especially when you come with children and for those that have animals that they that they will die for you can't take a dog into a shelter some are changing that policy because they're starting to realize like women will die for their pets some men mm -hmm. will die for their pets like mm -hmm. and so it's like i think that was the biggest loss for me was my dogs like i had like that that was the most heartbreaking thing for me and my kid out of this entire situation was my dog so i had my dog had epilepsy and like that grew our bond even more just because like when i first got him he had um he had 12 seizures in one night and come to find out it's because my ex gave him heartworm medicine that completely flared everything up but like he almost died like he got caught in the crate in between a crate and like he just randomly had a seizure and it suffocated him almost but like ever since that moment we had a bond well when I went to go move all my shit out like that day like got my shit up I have a very outside of my units i have a very very good support system like they i was blessed with the support system that i have right now and we went to go pack up my shit he tried to hide my dog from me like was not trying to let me see my dog because i had nowhere to go with my dog though you know what i mean so, but he was trying to hide him from me be like no fuck you that's not your dog no more <laughs> like that was that was definitely the hardest part for me out of this whole situation. Well, not besides him getting away with it, but like me losing things because I forgot shit. I left shit there, but I'm like, whatever, dude. But like my dog, that was my fucking that was my kid. That was my other kid, my fur baby, like my everything. It's, it's heartbreaking when you have to leave him behind. I know I left one time 
uh, like I got my daughter out and I had to leave both dogs because it was just, I couldn't get into the apartment to get them. And the amount of guilt was mm-hmm. so heavy on me that I went back knowing what I was going to walk into, or at least having a pretty good idea. And it was one of those occasions when I had gotten a hold of the cops to be like, could you at least like be there for when I get there? So nothing happens to us. And a cop came by and he kind of like poked around a little bit and he came back out to where I was waiting. And he's just like, uh, he seems cooperative. Like, like, I don't think there's an issue. He seems like he's pretty cooled down and all this stuff. And I walk into my apartment. Everything I owned had been destroyed. He had broken furniture. I had Uh, I painted a lot to do, like when I first left the military, that was like my coping in therapy was painting. And so like I had all these pictures I'd done and they were stacked up on top of the stove on fire. Oh my God. And glass everywhere, just things slammed into wall. Like the whole place was just turned upside down. That was a cop's (laughs) like definition of he seems cooled down. Like, well, yeah, he's destroyed everything. There's nothing left. <laughs> like, what is he going to do at this point other than maybe not take it out on us because he's broken everything else? But it was like, that's what I walked into because a cop was too lazy to actually go to the door because when I found out later, he didn't even know a cop had come by because the cop never went. He told me he had gone. What the fuck? And so a lot of people just don't give a shit. And it's not always about just not wanting to do paperwork. It, I mean, it's, it's strictly about just being lazy because it's still like not going to the door. That's lazy. Not doing paperwork mm-hmm. is lazy. It's like, no, like my shift's about to end. Well, that's Ooh. how <laughs> I had a police escort when I had to go get all my stuff. And they were like, well, we can only stay here for like 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, the, gr- the amount of people I had with me, it would have been easy in and out. Like, Cause I didn't have a shit ton of stuff. It was just big stuff. Like I had a bed set and stuff like that, but it's like, if I told that cop, I said, we will literally, you see all the people I have, all the trucks that we have, I literally get, we can all walk in, get our, my stuff and get out. But because of how fucking pathetic my ex is, he literally said, no, only she can come in and one other person. So something that could have taken 10 minutes, literally took us 45 and the cop like literally after 10 minutes he's like well you know everything seems pretty calm here so you guys can be civil (laughs) and I'm like can I have these people fucking come help me like how do I not have a say I've been in here almost a year how do I not have a fucking say in who comes in here and he's like well in the state of North Carolina it doesn't matter because your name's not like actually on the house even if you do get mail here I'm like okay, that's fucking retarded, whatever. I said, can you try to explain to him like literally you let all these people in and you can watch them. You can fucking keep an eye on them. Oh, by the way, he had his best friend as his little fucking bodyguard, like straight up as his fucking bodyguard because there was one time that I had left him. And when I told him I was straight up leaving, like I'm out, I'm done. Uh, He called his best friend because he was scared that I was going to do something. I'm like, when the fuck have I ever screamed at you, said shit to you? Because I'm telling you right now, that last month 
that we were together before the incident, like, or before he went to school, he mentally abused the fuck out of me. Like, he's one of those people that when he's angry, he says shit out of anger. But I'm a believer that if you're saying that shit, even if you're angry, there's truth to that, that that's how you feel. He's always accusing me of cheating. When I'm telling you right now, I didn't do a fucking thing. I never went out, never did anything because anytime I'd even just go to the gym and, you know, I documented it, it didn't matter, excuse me, because he, I got accused of cheating and then come to find out he was cheating on me with a bartender That's from a bar that he is. always like, went to. It's their own guilt that they start projecting onto you. Like it's mm-hmm. their own stuff that's going, because I dealt with the same thing where it's like, who are you talking to? Are you cheating on me? And it's like, why? Because you're talking to your ex-girlfriend. Like I it's like figured that part out. Like, but it's it gets thrown at you. Mm-hmm. And for like what you were saying about like the whole like where you lived and how they handle stuff like that. In the state I was in, based on how when I tried getting him removed from my house, because the house was mine. Like I owned the house. It was only in my name. He was not like, I didn't have a lease for him. I wasn't like, there was nothing, whatever. Like he just showed up because I left to another state to get away from him. He showed up, kind of forced his way into the house. Like there was a lot of threat stuff. And so I kind of got stuck with him again uh, because I didn't have anyone around. Like I had no friends and no family within a thousand miles. Mm Mm-hmm. So he kind of got weaseled his way into my home. And so when I went to the the police department after that, that battery incident, incident, I told him like, it's my house. Everything's in my name. He just stays there. And they said, has he ever paid a bill? And I was like, he's paid maybe a couple dollars towards like gas or something like that. And they're like, well, now he's at tenant status without a lease, which means you can't have, you have to give him 30 days notice to get out. That's how it is from where I'm from. You, if you get mail there, that literally, if it's literally, just you just house. get a piece of mail there, that you live there. I mean, I was paying every bill, the mortgage, taking care of everything, only person on it. And he had as much of a right to that household as I did. Like okay. it was, everything was mine, but I had, like he could- he could do whatever he wanted and 30 days like 30 days is a long time for someone to do some shit to you Mm -hmm. once you give them that notice 30 days is a lot of time to destroy a structure if they're mad about the fact that they have to get out you can accomplish a shit he showed me how much he could accomplish in a couple hours when we had that apartment and I left to give him time to cool down. He destroyed everything I owned. So it's like, now I have to give you 30 days. Like, yeah, that's going to work out great. And then it's always right. like, where am I supposed to go? I'm the one with the baby. I'm the one with the dogs. And it's always just like, go sleep somewhere, sleep in a car. Like, you should feel privileged that you have a car. Like, you know, like all this, like the ways you're treated, I hope that people that listen to this can understand why some people don't leave. It's not that you don't want to, you can't. 
Like there are so few options. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is so hard to just leave. Like if you could, if it was that easy to do, people wouldn't die at the rate that they do in intimate like relationships or marriages or whatever. If it was that easy to leave, more people would do it and less people would get murdered by a lover or a spouse or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's like, you look at the people, like they talk about it being a spousal issue. What about those people that don't have, again, don't have anybody where they're at, don't have family, don't have friends. They uprooted their entire life. Like what the fuck they supposed to do? Like straight up. Like (laughs) a lot of times when people are stay at home moms, what are they just going to pack up with what money? Like, and that's another thing that people don't think about. Like it all boils down to money. And am I able to get a place? Because I'm telling you right now, I tried my hardest to leave. When it started mentally getting abusing, I tried to leave, but I had nowhere to go. They wouldn't let me go back into the barracks because they didn't have enough room for me. I literally couldn't find a house because the market here is so fucking weird where I'm at. Like, it's just so weird from where I'm from. But like, it was almost impossible. Like I've been trying to find a new place since November of last year. And the only reason I was able to get a new place right now was because I, lo- I literally went to a house showing the next day with a big ass bruise on my face and was like, look, I have a kid. I need the fuck out of here. Fucking send like SOS, throwing smoke signals, like help, like straight up. Like I need out right now. I had money in hand, like because I had been saving because again, like I said, I've been looking for a house since November and I just happened, you know, due to unfortunate circumstances, just happened to be in the right time to where she's like, all right. And just literally gave me a house. I mean, I paid for it obviously, but she right then and there, cause usually like it's a process. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know, background check, credit check, all that other bullshit. But no, she instantly, she said, come back with, you know, the security deposit. And she's like, the keys are yours. Mm-hmm. And I got very, very fucking fortunate with that part. But like I said, I've been trying to look for a house since November. And even with money in hand, they were just like, sorry, somebody got it before you. Or it was because my credit wasn't a 700 to rent a fucking house. Yeah. I'm like, what? So, it, it, I mean, you're 100% right, though. You, It's not that people don't want to leave. They just either don't know how to leave, don't have a place to go financial like financially can't do it like there's so many different factors because nobody wants to sit there and get their ass beat nobody, yeah, nobody wants, to wants sit that there. nobody asks yeah. for that <laughs> not at all and you know it's one thing that a lot of people just don't understand because their first thing is the victim blame i fucking hate victim blaming i i literally despise it like just be a fucking empathetic person you don't have to be give them sympathy you don't have to give them you know pity party but like don't fucking be your first question well why haven't you left like you had to see a comment i'm telling you right now if i wasn't sitting in a bar when my friend said we well, had to see this comment i literally want to punch him in the fucking face because i just looked at him i said i cannot believe you just fucking asked me that and to know that you were an mp at one point like what MPs don't care. And I can say that just from, I mean, I don't want to say like every MP out there, but when I did, uh, when I was active duty, I got red cycle where like, you have to go do some duty shit. 
and I got gate guard. And so I was working with the MPs. I was basically absorbed into the MP unit for a short time. And literally like the worst day I had while I was on guard duty was Easter Sunday, <laughs> like surprisingly, where like uh, you have radios going. So even though you don't use the radios when you're at the gate, you can hear all the stuff going on through like the MP unit, like the patrol going out and stuff like that. And it was just domestic call after domestic after domestic. It was like, I don't know what it is about Easter Sunday where everybody's so like pissed off, but it was just like, they're just kind of like, oh, another one or oh, like, I hope this is quick or whatever. Like, they're just kind of like, it's another like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, there's no, they don't care that it's happening. It's just, oh, can someone else do it? Like, right. I don't want to go down there and have some crazy chick come at me yelling at, and it's just like, but that's how they see it. It's just like, she's overreacting. She's going to be dramatic. It's going to be stupid. She's going to be just like in my face, but it's just like, like, yeah, it's dramatic. Like it's crazy stuff that goes down in people. Like, <laughs> And my big thing with people is like, like for me, like when I talk about what I've dealt with, like I didn't, I don't look for sympathy. I don't want anyone to like, I don't expect anyone to really give a shit about what I've gone through or even to understand what I've gone through, but I want people to understand that bad things happen, even if they don't happen to you, it doesn't mean it's not real. Like mm -hmm. it shouldn't have to happen to you for you to fucking care about it. And that's always felt with like the veteran community with like PTSD, like coming, coming full circle back to that, like with the idea that you can't have that if you haven't gone outside the wire you haven't gone on a combat deployment you haven't done this or you haven't done that like and having no understanding for the fact that things happen sometimes and it shouldn't have to happen to you for it to be real or for exactly it to be, for it to hurt or whatever like people should not have to explain their pain to be able to come out and say hey like i'm hurting and that's what i'm saying because like and even all you know wounds are not visible like, it is one thing that, that I preach is just give a shit. <laughs> I had somebody, uh, actually, that just sent me a picture today and was like, hey, I decided to make this for you. And it's literally my sticker that says, just give a shit, real big across the t-shirt. I'm like, I saw that. yes, I, saw like, I will wear that shit so much. Like, I can't fucking wait. Like, <laughs> but it's like, it seems like it's such a simple concept of like, just be kind. But it's so hard for people. Like people are just so in their own shit to like, like I feel like I'm worn down all the time because I care probably too much about everybody else. Like mm -hmm. I always wanna make sure everybody else is good, stuff like that. But it's because I know what suffering feels like. I know what it's like to be stuck in a home that you feel like you can't escape. I know what it, it's like to deal with PTSD and have raging anxiety and depression. Like I understand that stuff too well to ever attack people over it or to mm -hmm. make anyone feel like theirs isn't as bad as mine or something like that like it's just like I realize that like you said with invisible wounds like you have no idea what somebody's gone through or what they're going through at that moment and for me like when I was in the military still dealing with domestic violence it's like I wish somebody would have given enough of a shit to be like are you okay so, and that's what's like our post today was like, get into the habit of just saying, how are you? 
even if you don't, you know, you're like 50, 50 on actually giving a shit, that simple fucking question of how are you? Are you okay? Can go (laughs) miles down the road and just, you know, for somebody mentally, because to them, even if in your head, I really don't give a shit. I don't really want to hear about it. But to that person, like for me with my situation, to see who actually said, are you okay? Can I do anything from you? Are like the one, the people that I actually thought would say it didn't. And that mentally fucked with me too. Like people that I work hand and foot for bend over backwards to make shit happen. It was like, it was like, I just was nothing all of a sudden. And it was like, well, what the fuck have I been doing for the last eight months for you guys and doing all this bullshit? And I can't even, you know, for you to pretend to care. Yeah. And it was just like, and I don't want, and that's, I'm in the same boat as you. Maybe that's why I'm so tired because I give more shits about people's well-being than my own because I, I know that feeling. I know how that is, you know, to suffer in silence, to be alone, to, you know, be in that ball of anxiety just by the littlest things. And I don't, I just want people to know that there are people out there that do give a shit, even if you don't know them, that there are people. Like, not everybody's a bad apple. Yes, it seems like that's, you know, the bigger concept of it, but there's not. It's just a lot of old habits and old mindset that has this huge stigma. And everybody's just so disgruntled. And like you and I were talking about earlier, you know, with people degrading female podcasters or everybody being in their own little fucking, like, it's a competition to be a podcaster. It's like, why, bro? Like, why the fuck do you care that I have a podcast also? Like, that's why I made that post about, like, my Sunday spotlight was about all this military. I had 18 different podcasts on there. And it was like... That was really awesome that you did that. That was really cool. I appreciate that. But, like, that's that's why I did that. Because, like I said, it's not a fucking competition. We're not going to be the next Joe Rogan or Jocko or the guy that does real as fuck which I don't know if you listen to that podcast, but I fucking love that podcast. <laughs> but, um, but we're also but like, different. Like, I feel like everybody, we've all had different experiences. And even if it's like the same experience for the sense that like we all went through the military, we all had different outcomes or ways of dealing with it. So it's like, why can't we all share what we did? Because someone's exactly. going to share what we did and it's going to work for them. What this podcast is talking about doesn't like fit for me. Like I said that like when I wrote, my book, it was because I couldn't find a book that said what I needed it to say. So it's like, well, shit, I'm just going to make one then. But that's how I feel a podcast. It's like, there's so many out there that it's like, look for what works for you. We don't have to all be doing the same thing. We don't have to all be buddies or on each other's shit. Like we're all reaching different audiences. The table is big enough for us to all to eat at. Like we all, you know, this two pairs of eyes are not going to see the same thing. Like, you know, you, you coming out as like a, another female podcaster, like, I don't feel like, oh shit, she's going to come into like my territory. I think badass. What is she talking about? Because I know I don't talk about everything like good for her. Like, I don't see you as competition. I see it as where's, where's the other ones? <laughs> like, where's everybody else? Like, that's why what I'm saying. Like, people- yeah, there's no point. There's no competition. There's no, you know, there's no money into this. I don't give a shit about money in this. 
I care about fucking getting the message out there. And like I said, doing the damn thing. And that's why I promote people like you and all these different podcasts, because again, there's enough room at the table because yes, we all have similar titles. We have either military, you know, whether that's current service member or veteran, or, you know, we're talking about sexual assault, domestic violence. Like we may have the same title in a sense, but we all have different tidbits that we could add to each other. And that's what, and that I think is the most important thing is that we don't stay in the same bubble. Like I have this thing away from the other by having something similar. Like if you cover the same topic, where like nobody's taking away from what mm-hmm. you're doing by doing it their way. Exactly. And that's the, I think the beauty of networking too, and building like these partnerships and like, cause you and I, ever since we did our episode, I noticed that like me and you do a lot more together and it's not even like, oh, we said we're going to do a partnership or oh, we're going to gang up, you know, whatever. It's just, you know, supporting because you have an audience, I have an audience and working together, like with networking, we bring those audiences, you know, broaden their horizon. Like it doesn't, it should never be a competition, male, female, your topic, you know, where you come from, you know, your life experience might be different than my life experience. So I handled my situation different than you did or they did whatever it is, and I've never understood that. So like that, that is a really good thing to do. And I hope, you know, people can realize that, that networking and being a decent fucking human being can go such a long way. (laughs) Like just be a good fucking person. I'm just tired of people dogging people for using things like social media and stuff like that to like talk about stuff. That's what the world is though. Like literally, I don't give a fuck who you are. Like nobody, nothing is heard unless it's on social media now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in the generation. I, I mean, I've said we're both in the generation of where we come from a lifestyle that social media wasn't a thing. And then now <laughs> it's all, like, that's it's how all, you all it is. I don't know what you're <laughs> supposed to use now if it's like, like if you want somebody to like hear your message like if you're wanting someone to know what you're about and you want to make changes you don't go say some stuff on like myspace right now exactly (laughs) it's all about knowing where everybody's at what's the latest trend where are people like looking at that's all it is literally you can't get anything out because okay yeah people still read the papers but they're like i read the paper but the audience that I need or want to hear most likely aren't going to read the paper. Yeah. Writing letters that they're changing it now. Okay. Let's start. army gets their phones. The Marine Corps, you can send letters through your phone now. What? Like, <laughs> yeah, you can send letters through your phone now. And I was like, that first kind of came out when I went through, but I was like, there nothing beats a handwritten letter like yeah it it may take longer like if you do it through your phone it literally goes and sends them the next day like they'll literally get it the next day and you can send like mail day mail day was the shit yes even like it was the best letters at your face like trying to karate chop you with it like that it's really aggressive but it's like oh i got a letter (laughs) (laughs) like exactly and it's like i think that's cool but like not a lot of people write letters anymore like that's just not a thing and I still write I, letters. I'm, oh I still write them too I love writing them the I've been sending my stickers out to people and I've been handwriting letters 
like there's some people I know that like do postcards and you know they get different stuff which is cool and fancy and really pretty but like I'm so old school that I think handwriting a letter has so much more meaning to it because it's like okay well I actually sat here yeah you have to take the effort to design stuff but I actually sat here took the effort made it personal and it's like yeah this is my handwriting good thing I don't write like dog shit (laughs) like when I had uh I had some issues a while back when I was running the podcast and I just was getting such like shitty feedback from not even a lot of people, just a couple people, but it was enough shittiness in that <laughs> feedback to just be like That's crazy the question what I was doing. And I just was like, I'm done. And I was just like, bye. And I got rid of Facebook. I stopped going on Instagram. I just logged out of everything and disappeared. And I actually got a hand Type, well, it was a typed letter, but I mean, it was still a letter and it was mailed to me from another veteran organization, like out of state from where I was just to be like, are you okay, sister? Like, we still think of you, like you meant something to us. And that right there had a big enough impact that I didn't just completely disappear from the community. It was like, okay, so what I get out of this is the people that are assholes are louder than the people that, I mean, the quieter ones are usually like, there's a following, whether you know it or not, like your Mm -hmm. numbers on social media do not speak for shit. Like how many people are actually listening to you or giving a damn about what you say. And so to get a letter from someone to be like, we miss you and we hope you're okay. It was like, okay. That's huge. Like it meant, a lot to me and granted like I I hand wrote something back like I didn't come back right away we exchanged a couple letters that way but it was like it made me rethink of just turning my back on everybody because it was just like I had to realize that it was a couple it's those bad seeds they're just really loud and talking over everybody else and so it was like no what I do matters I matter but it was a hand note that got me to that point of realizing that and seeing that goes back into being a decent fucking human being and breaking that stigma of just saying, are you okay? How are you? Like, I don't understand why that's so hard. Like, okay, yeah, life shitted on. That was like when we were talking the other day on that other podcast on canceled for maintenance. It's like, we sat there and like, you're so disgruntled, but you're always trying to one up. Well, I have these problems. I have this going on, but fuck your problems. Okay, bro. Like we all have problems. Yeah, why can't we just get that to the point of like, we're all, we all have problems. Yeah, some might be, you know, worse than others, but who made this a pissing contest to see who has a bigger shit show going on than the next person? Like, I literally identify myself as a walking Murphy's Law. Like, I always like, oh my God. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I can't catch a fucking break, but you see what the fuck I'm doing? You have no idea what the fuck's all going on with me because like, yeah, I talk about my current, like this situation I'm dealing with, but I also got other shit that I'm juggling, but I don't give a fuck because I have a fucking mission and I care enough to figure, make sure that other people are okay. Like, yes, I'm dealing with mine, but again, it's not a fucking pissing contest of whose life sucks worse. Like, Jesus. Yeah. I just wish we could get that whole idea of like, we work better together. Like if we're all working together, like collaborations are not like just supporting each other through our avenues of healing 
and trying to help other people heal and trying to help other people get resources and try to encourage people to not just hold it all in until they can't anymore. Like, I don't see why we're trying to go the other way of saying like, you have to knock out the weak. <laughs> like there's gotta be a pecking order with the podcast or uh, you have to be from a certain branch with a certain MOS, with a certain rank or a certain number of like deployments to be able to talk about certain <laughs> subjects. Like it's bullshit. Uh, it is. It's absolute bullshit. Like you shouldn't have to rate how the fuck you feel like that's retarded and that's why I love like networking with like you cancel for maintenance people like that because like we all combined have different different audiences especially you know working with cancel for maintenance they have a totally way different platform than us mm-hmm. like you and I have you know we have similar but we also have different platforms but that's that's the thing is that the more people you have outside the box the more the message is going to get spread out because you keep talking. And that's one thing I keep preaching about. Like that's the thing that people are failing to realize is that we keep talking and talking and talking and putting all these numbers out and saying all this shit and putting these quotes out. But what is, what is that number doing? Like, what is that percentage doing? What is that quote doing? Because you're talking, your audience is the same people doing the same thing. So that's why it's super important to network outside of the box because they have a different audience that's not going to fucking know about it. You're just as aware of the issues as I am. Or when I work with Works 1020, they're aware just the same. So I'm not going to share my stuff. You know, we partner together, but I'm not going to only post to them. I'm going to look at other, you know, talk to other people that are outside so that, you know, that's how you do. You just branch out like a little family tree. Like you just keep growing. And there's no point in fucking tearing the next person down. Oh, they have a podcast. Well, so do I. Fuck off. No, that's, oh my God, so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. I just, just be a, you know, if there's one thing to take away from this fucking episode, be a decent fucking human being. Don't be a dick. <laughs> yep, don't be a dick. I think that was my favorite tip Tuesday that I have posted. It's a little, little winter dude and said, don't be a dick. Like... <laughs> So I guess on that note, because I know we've gone probably (laughs) (laughs) like, I don't know, like an hour or something, like I kind of ran into this issue and I had six on the other day. It was like, what, what advice, I always ask people to end on what advice they could give, but it's like, I feel like we've been just, (laughs) that's what we're (laughs) doing for like the last 30 minutes with this, but, but yeah, like what could like, I don't know, what could veterans do different, whether they're podcasting, whatever, like, what could we do different to, instead of just posting, like, 22 a day, or awareness stuff, or quotes, or whatever, like, besides not being a dick, what could we, <laughs> what could we do? I think uh, my advice, like I keep saying, is uh, doing the damn thing, and when I say that, I mean, not just you know, spreading the awareness or posting the quotes. It's getting out there and doing the fucking work, you know, talking to people and just, you know, let me backtrack. Wow. You think having a podcast, I can fucking speak straight sometimes. Um, but it's just 
actually doing something to make a change. And that can be as little as having the goal of each day of making at least one person smile or at least asking one person a day, how are you? Or are you okay? Or something like that. Like make it a goal out of your day to be a decent human being. Just do something as a decent human being. Like I said, as small as just asking that question or volunteering on these different, we have so many organizations or, you know, do a good deed, go donate to somebody like the Enduring Campaign or these different veteran organizations, these nonprofits, because then you're doing a good deed to help others out. Because for like with women with an up mind, that's one of the things I'm not about making money, but I'm about donating money to do things that are doing the damn thing like the Enduring Campaign. And then, you know, it's got the Happy Bean Project and then there's also the boot campaign and just a volunteer or even volunteering for different, you know, events going on because everybody has something going on. And a lot of things are still virtual too, but it's just like, make it a goal. I think the biggest thing is make it a goal a day to do something with human decency. Like I said, either asking those questions, making at least one person smile a day, donating to, you know, something that's making shit happen or just anything like just be a decent human being. That's what I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. I always try to tell people like really when it comes to like movements or anything like that, like really, if you could just affect one person, like if we all made the effort to help one person a day, how far that goes. Mm-hmm. Cause then they could do the same thing back. They'd be like, Oh, you know, yeah, what? it just keeps, keeps on going. Like, mm-hmm. like a domino someone, effect. Yeah. You like, you help someone get out of their funk. And then when they, like, when they get there, it's like, I want to help someone get out of theirs. Like, it's just, it's that chain reaction and, and the things like, I feel like some people feel like they have to do a lot to feel like things are counting. And I know I'm kind of guilty of that because I've had <laughs> to kind of slow down with what I do because like my husband's gone right now. So it's like, I'm kind of like single mom status again. And being like, just holding when you're a military family, like there's a lot going on in your life. And so I always feel like, man, I feel like I've gotten really far from helping the veteran community because I have to just focus so much on my family right now. And then I feel guilty, but it's like, I forget that sometimes I take something as small as like donating a bag to a homeless person or writing a letter or like doing something for like operation shoebox, like someone deployed writing a letter or adding something to packages going out so they can have some comforts of home. Like there's little things you could do where you're not like me, we're all sit here like, Oh my God, I'm a piece of shit. But it's like, there really are like little things you can do and like you said just being kind to somebody and asking if they're okay just striking up a conversation could be that one thing you do that day and it can save a life and not even realize it exactly it can mean everything to that person that you talk to absolutely so thank you so much for being willing to come on I know when I hit you up I was like hey you want to do this topic and it's like that topic sucks. And I, I know it just from dealing with it, but I really appreciate that you took the time to come on here. No, I appreciate, you know, you having me on and the little partnership thing that we got going on helping each other out. No, I dig it. (laughs) I'm sure I'll have (laughs) other stuff that pops up. It's just more fun when you have someone else to talk to. I do a lot of one, 
like solo kind of stuff where it's like mostly about just kind of getting the message out get the point there it's quick stuff but like mm-hmm. it's fun having vets come on to where you just kind of feed off each other's energy and you just oh kind of, absolutely and then people that aren't in the military or veterans get to hear how veterans have conversations <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you have to shield your ears but for the most part we all mean well <laughs> right we all just you know just cope with dark humor just get that out there <laughs> yeah So thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too, Bob. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from Cruise Corner, make sure to subscribe. You can listen to episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, please reach out to our Instagram page at cruise underscore corner.